Morning, everybody. I just want to take a couple of moments of personal privilege um, to point out uh, some folks. Um, we have in our room here today um, one of America's newest Marines, uh, Daviel Card. Daviel, where are you? Stand up. There he is. Yeah, congratulations, young man. Yes, and so if anybody wants to speak to uh, him afterwards and hear about that experience, I hear it was a breeze. Um, <laughs> uh, also, we have um, uh, some folks who are here. Um, it's the 10th anniversary of the passing of someone who some of you may recall, Dr. Uh, Enye Okariki. Um, Dr. Okariki was a doctor in uh, this area, uh, raised his family in this area, um, from Nigeria, and he was back in Nigeria 10 years ago um, doing what was on his heart to do, which was trying to create some clinics in some underserved areas in his home country of Nigeria. And while he was there, he had a heart attack that uh, ultimately claimed his life. Um, in honor of that, his family have started a foundation uh, to raise support to equip these underserved, medically underserved communities in Nigeria. And um, a great tribute to a great man, to a work that he was passionate about. And I've watched as, uh, as Enye's uh, widow, Moriam, uh, has been a part of this community. I've watched as her heart has been healed through the power of God as she has continued to put her trust into the Lord and to serve him. She's gotten really passionate about missions. She's been on every mission trip that we have been a part of, both in Haiti and in Cuba. And uh, so she is here with uh, her family. Um, and uh, so, Moriam, we... Uh, are grateful for the work that you and your family and others are doing uh, in memory of your husband, but in honor of God. So God bless you guys. All right, so we are um, just, we just wrapped up three weeks study on the Bible. And um, it is this absolutely, utterly unique and powerful manuscript, this collection of books that is so incredibly powerful. I told you the story a couple of weeks ago of a Cuban pastor that I met while I was in Cuba and how he got a hold of a Bible as a young man and read the Bible and through it discovered Jesus and gave his heart to Christ, which is an amazing thing given that it was under a communist dictatorship that was uh, hostile to anything related to church or faith. I also saw the Bible uh, transform or heard the story uh, firsthand of a woman from India as she told me about how she was given a copy of the New Testament and uh, read the New Testament and there discovered Jesus and gave her heart uh, to Jesus and how it transformed her life. I've seen the power of the Bible transform the lives of people in my own family, my own life. And I've seen how it has transformed the lives of hundreds of people across uh, the expanse of the ministry that I have been a part of. What is it about this book that makes it so powerful? 
I mean, is it the stories are just so well written or is it that um, the argument for faith is just so compelling in this book? What is it about the Bible that makes it so transformational? And I think we get an answer to that, an insight into that through something that the Apostle Paul wrote in a letter to a church in Thessalonica. So he wrote two letters to that church. Um, we have them in our Bible as First and Second Thessalonians. Um, so I just want to read a short section from First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, and the words will be on the screen. It says this, We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when we brought you the good news that was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way that we lived when we were with you. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering that it brought you. In this way, you have imitated both us and the Lord. So what is Paul writing here? He's saying that, that we brought the gospel to you, the, the good news. We brought the good news of Jesus to you, but not just in words, but with power. Power. That word power in the Greek is dunamis. We get our word dynamite from that. It's that kind of power, that kind of force, <clears throat> that kind of explosive power that is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit showed this group of people that what these folks were saying, the gospel they were bringing of Jesus Christ, was true. And the power of that transformed them and they received not only the truth, but received great joy. And it was so full and so intense and so real that even though they suffered because of their faith at the hands of an oppressive government that was trying to crush followers of Jesus, even though they suffered for it, they were willing to because of the power of the truth of the word. That's the power of the Bible. It's not just because it's a book that's well-written and stories that are compelling and the fact that it has um, a 5,000-year history of a single message of God's redemptive work going all the way back to Abraham and all the way through and always, always, always pointing to a coming Messiah who came in Christ. It's not just because of this great story. It's not just because of the marvel that it is that it was written in all of these languages over millennia in different cultures and in different countries and in different eras and by people who were wealthy and by people who were poor. All of that is true of the Bible, but the power of the Bible comes because it is infused with the lifeblood of God through the Holy Spirit. And so we are starting a new part of this expansive series that we're doing that we're calling The Way. 
And we're moving now from a study of the Bible to a study of the Holy Spirit. And we only get three weeks to do it, so I have to talk fast, and we've got a lot of information that we want to share with you. Um, Because the fact is that oftentimes the Holy Spirit kind of gets not all of the attention that we should give the Holy Spirit in terms of teaching. In fact, um, uh, one author, pastor, um, referred to the Holy Spirit as the forgotten God. In some ways, the Holy Spirit is in the same boat that I was in in my wrestling career in high school. Got your attention now, don't I? What? This is just a sad, pathetic way for me to talk about my high school wrestling days. So, uh, but, so I wrestled for two years. My junior year, I was in the district uh, tournament and, uh, and got into the final four, final four wrestlers. And I took third place. And you know what? Nobody cares who takes third place. Right? Everybody cares about the champ, the guy who wins, and they kind of care about the person uh, in second who you know, would, had that big epic battle between who's going to win and who's going to come in second. Nobody cares about who comes in third. Ex- I know. <laughs> My mom cared. <laughs> sort of like the Holy Spirit. A lot of, you know, we talk a lot about God the Father, God the Creator, right? We talk a lot about God incarnate, God the Son, Jesus. We talk a lot about God the Father and God the Son, but not so much about the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. Not a lesser part, not an also ran, but a part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And God the Spirit and each one of those parts relate to human beings in a unique and kind of specific kinds of ways. And so it's important for us in our faith to know about the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to take a look at um, some scripture around that and, uh, and the person of the Holy Spirit. So there's, um, the scriptures I'm gonna be looking at are all from the Gospel of John, starting with the uh, 16th chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, we're gonna look at three verses from John 16, uh, verses, 12, or, yeah, verses 12 through 15. So I'm gonna read it, the words are on the screen behind me, you can follow along. It says this, There is so much more, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. I want to pause there for just a second. Now, here's what's going on. Jesus is explaining to his disciples, he's, they're in the upper room, they're at the Last Supper, he's trying to give them um, all of the information about who he is and what his ministry has been about. He's informing them about this whole totality of this faith that they were raised in from the time that they were children that goes back 1,000, 2,000 years years, Jesus is trying to fill them all in on this redemptive work that God has been doing that's been pointing to this Messiah. Every Jew has been waiting for the coming of the Messiah, and Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah. 
And the one that you were expecting, the one that you thought it would be, which was going to be a conquering hero and a military guy and a king and so forth, that's not the Messiah. I am here to make you right with God in a spiritual way and not just you but the whole world. So he's giving them all of this information. This whole thing started in John chapter 13, this this, uh, teaching that Jesus is doing. So it's John 13 and John 14 and John 15 and John 16 and John 17. He ends up praying for them. But here he is, he's saying, there is, there, I've told you all this stuff and there's more. But you can't bear it now. You can't, you can't contain it right now. It's too much for you. You've probably had this experience, right? Where somebody is giving you a whole lot of information in a really short period of time. Right? Maybe a class that you've taken or maybe a conference that you went to. Um, one of the experiences I remember, it was my first pastoral experience. I was, uh, had just finished my first year of seminary. Marilyn and I had been married for a year. And uh, we got hired by a church to be their student intern. It was a part-time, very part-time position. It was a church of about 90 people. They had a full-time pastor. And uh, so they hired me to be their student intern. And uh, so we got there, I don't know, late June, early July. And within a couple of weeks after getting there, the pastor informed me that he was going on vacation for a week. And I was in charge. And he said, so before I go, I want to sit down with you and, and explain some things that you'll need to know. And for the next three hours... This guy is dumping information. Everything from, you know, how do you open the building on Sunday morning, because it was a small congregation, so, you know, the the pastor did it all. How you open the building on Sunday morning, how you lead a worship service, how you close up at the end, how you do things during the week, here's what you do if the boiler goes out. I mean, all of this information, right? And about an hour into it, I'm like, I can't dig anymore. It's like the sponge, you know? The stuff is just, I, I couldn't absorb anymore. The one thing he didn't tell me before he left was what to do if a member of the congregation dies. And two two days after he left, guess what happened? Somebody died. It's a great story, I'll tell you another time. Anyway, (laughs) I can't do it all in one one message. So, so that kind of experience, that's what the disciples are, are feeling, like Jesus is giving them all of this information, and he's saying, and there's so much more, you can't bear it right now, you can't, you can't take any more information. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you whatever he heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring glory by telling you whatever uh, he heard or he received from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he received from me. The Holy Spirit is going to be your guide. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you the things that you need to know about me. The Holy Spirit is going to give you the truth. 
So don't worry about the fact that you've heard all of this information and that you feel like you can't hold it all in your brain and you're missing parts and you're, you're, you feel like you're trying to grab it all but it, you're sure that you're not remembering it all and there's even more that I'm not gonna tell you but don't worry, the Holy Spirit will be your guide and teach you all truth. So part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to be our guide into the truth. The Holy Spirit is teaching us, guiding us in the way of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is our guide in the way of Jesus. You know, the Bible didn't exist for hundreds of years after Jesus ascended into heaven. So after Jesus' resurrection, it was an oral transport of information. People were telling people about Jesus, the things that they saw him do, the things that they heard him teach. And eventually, his apostles decided, we better write this down for future generation. And so Mark is the first of Jesus' disciples to write down a gospel, to write down the good news of the things that he remembered Jesus teaching and saying and doing. And then Matthew wrote his gospel. And John wrote his gospel, three of Jesus' apostles. And then a guy named Luke, who was a physician, said, you know what, I decided that I was going to meet with as many followers of Jesus, those who were close with Jesus, as I can meet with. And he was kind of like an investigative reporter. He was writing an account of their experience with Jesus. And the Apostle Paul then, as he's leading the church, is writing them letters. And over time, these things began to be collected. And they understood that these things contained in them the truth of the teaching and life of Jesus. But up until then, it was all about the Holy Spirit bringing to their mind, bringing to their attention the things, the truth of God. That's why the Bible is so unique, is because that interplay of writing those words down from memory and from experience was being infused by the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just people writing down some fanciful thing that they came up with. It was their own experience, but led and guided by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't worship the Bible but the Bible is this account of the things that God did. The power of it comes through the Holy Spirit. And so, Jesus says you're gonna have the Spirit of God guiding you, leading you in all truth. You have that Spirit of God living in you. All right, so then moving to chapter from chapter 16 back to chapters, back to uh, chapter 14, a couple of sections from chapter 14. Okay, 14 uh, verses 15 through 17, it says this, if you love me, obey my commands, my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. I wanna talk about that, but I'm gonna do that in a couple of minutes, so don't forget that piece, but we'll come back to it. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate 
who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So Jesus is saying a a couple of things here. The first thing that I, I find interesting is this interplay of the Godhead. Jesus is saying, I'm going to ask the Father, I the Son, I Jesus, am going to ask the Father to send you, my followers, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit. So we have the, we see kind of this idea of the Godhead. We see this, this trinity and the interplay between them. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I think that's really fascinating. Um, not that I understand the Trinity. And if anybody tells you that they understand the Trinity, don't take that too seriously. Because to say you understand the Trinity is to say I understand fully the nature of God, and no one does. It's like somebody saying to you, I understand the universe, right? Nobody understands the universe. We have insights into the universe, we have brilliant men and women who study uh, astronomy and physics and so forth, who have insights into the universe, but nobody understands the fullness of the universe. In the same way, nobody understands the fullness of God, but we have insights. So one of the insights from scripture we have about God is this triune nature of God. These three persons, but one God. One of the things I think that that tells us is that we have a God that has always been in relationship. Before God created the universe, before God created the earth and populated it with people made in God's own image, God was in relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think that's why relationship is so central to our faith. God created us in his image to be in relationship. So then he calls the the Holy Spirit the advocate. The Greek word here is paraclete. And that word paraclete, advocate is actually a good translation of paraclete. It's it's, um, a legal term. It's sort of like a defense attorney, right? The Holy Spirit is like your attorney, your defense attorney. Paraclete could also be translated helper or one called alongside. So it's an advocate, a helper, one called alongside. As we go through the study of the Holy Spirit, we'll hear other descriptions in Scripture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit as counselor, comforter, guide, which we already saw, and teacher. All of these words used to describe the nature of the Holy Spirit. Listen to those words. Advocate, helper, one called alongside, counselor, comforter, guide, teacher. 
This is God at God's most intimate in your life. You know, sometimes we think about God as out there. God is out there. But the Holy Spirit isn't out there. The Holy Spirit is with you. And what we come to understand later, not they didn't understand it yet, but when Jesus departed and went to heaven at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and dwelled within the followers of Christ. When you commit your life to Christ, when you ask Jesus to forgive your sin and to be the leader of your life, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. The life force of God dwells in you, the Holy Spirit. To be your advocate, your guide, your comforter, your counselor. That's the nature of the work of the Holy Spirit. It is God at his most intimate. Romans chapter eight tells us that even when you don't know what to pray, when you're at your wit's end and you're just kind of groaning, the Holy Spirit interprets that groaning to God about what you're feeling and thinking in ways that you can't even express. It's the intimate nature of the Holy Spirit living and at work in each of us. Then uh, in 23, John 14, 23, it says this. Again, words are on the screen. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Again, the Holy Spirit making its home in you. But here's the thing, right? All who love me do what I say. Remember at the beginning of the uh, last section that we just read, it said this, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So there's this work that we have to do, our cooperation with the work of the Holy Spirit. We have a role to play. We have to obey the commands of Jesus. We have to live lives of obedience to Jesus' commands. That's our job. That's how we work in cooperation. That's how we um, experience the power of the Holy Spirit working in us when we obey his commands. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had like a list of Jesus' commands, right? Wouldn't that be great? You could carry it in your pocket, you know, pull it out from time to time, read all the commands of Jesus. Here's all the things he commanded me to do. I have to do this, 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 I have to do this. That'd be great. It might be overwhelming though, don't you think? Like, like how many commands do you think it would be? How many different things did Jesus tell us to do? Like, I wish there was a list. And maybe if there was a list, we could boil it down to its essence. What would that look like? Anybody with me? You see where this is going yet? Okay, predictable, move on. Jesus said, it all comes down to this. All the law and the prophets comes down to this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your mind. I got the order wrong, but you know what I'm saying, 
right? Love God with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. The whole thing is contained in those two commands of relationship. Be in loving relationship with God, be in loving relationship with others as you love yourself. And you know, oftentimes when I talk like this, um, inevitably somebody says, you know, that's such a cop-out. Such a cop-out. You know, love. Okay, it always goes back to love. You know, that's the, that's the, uh, the default answer. Love. It's way more complicated than that. There's way more to it than that. But if it's a cop-out, then Jesus copped out. Jesus said it all comes down to loving God and loving your neighbor. It all comes down to that. A new command, Jesus said, I give you. A new command, love one another. If I could speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but don't have love, it's just a lot of noise. If I had the power to fathom all mysteries and had all knowledge, but didn't have love, it is useless. Our job, your job, to work in, co- in uh, cooperation with the Holy Spirit is to love God with your whole heart and to love others as yourself. It's just that simple. But it ain't easy, right? It ain't easy. Learning how to love in that way takes the work and the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us. The way of Jesus is the way of love. And we can't do it on our own because of our sin nature, our selfishness, our self-centeredness, our own brokenness. And so we need the Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us in the way of love. One last scripture, and uh, the band is going to be coming up and, and leading us in a, in a closing uh, song here. But from, uh, again, from John 14, verses 25 and 26, it says this. I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. But the Father sends the advocate as my representative that you, but when the Father, (laughs) okay. So I had a little eye surgery, so it's, uh, it's still working itself out. Thanks for asking. I know a number of you have been asking how the eye surgery went. It didn't work, obviously, (laughs) because I struggled my hair. (laughs) so God made this body it's amazing how God made this body Um, so the eyes were corrected uh, brought into balance but the brain has to catch up so there's this interaction between eye and brain and what I was telling somebody this morning is my eye doesn't have a lot to work with with the brain thing but um, so that's what's going on Let me try this again. I'm telling you these things while I'm still with you. 
But the Father is sending the advocate as my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit as the teacher, bringing to your mind everything that God teaches. So it's not about us, you know, having all of the answers. We couldn't contain it all, it's too much. But the Holy Spirit is acting as our teacher. So we have the power, the life force of God living in us. And all we need to do is work in cooperation with that. Holy Spirit, teach me the way of, te- of Jesus. Teach me what it looks like to love you. Teach me what it looks like to love others as myself. This day, right now, teach me, Holy Spirit. We just wanna hear your voice, Holy Spirit. We're hanging on every word. So as we're working in cooperation, seeking to love God with our whole heart and love our neighbor as ourselves, we are opening ourselves up to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So as you go into this week, when you open your Bible this week, let your prayer be, Holy Spirit, speak to me through this word. Make it a living word. May your prayer be, God, as I start this day, Holy Spirit, guide me. Be my guide, be my teacher, be my advocate, be my counselor, my comforter. Holy Spirit, guide me through this day. And at the end of the day, as you lay down your head on your pillow to sleep, may your last prayer be, Spirit of God, thank you. Thank you for leading me today. And as you do that, friends, know that the Lord will bless you and keep you and the Lord will make his face to shine upon you and the Lord will be gracious to you today and always. Amen. Have a great week.